Ciao ragazzi and welcome to Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Happy Sunday. We're back. Happy on Sunday. Back on, yeah, back on Sunday. We'll do this Sunday. We'll do next Sunday. And then we're going to go back to a Tuesday because that's Mother's Day and we want to stay married. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how it is working uh, here. So yeah. Man, Serie A delivered the goods again, didn't they? They did. They did. What a crazy weekend. What a crazy week. I mean, we had the derbies in the middle of the week with the, the Coppa Italia. That was crazy. And then, obviously, this weekend, I mean, Salernitana, they're still a thing. Who knew? I mean, whoa. This David is a crazy Nicola. week. David crazy. Nicolas, are you, are you uh, going to be in the market for a Milan Juric <laughs> jersey here? Uh, if uh, David Nicola does it again. I don't know about that. Maybe I'll get a David Nicola hooded sweater or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. We got the chat firing up. Anthony LaFleur is on time this time. Uh, good to see Anthony. Michael Lisi, our resident referee in the house. Emiliano uh, Selai, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Please help me out. Um, and, uh, you know, if you are uh, watching us for the first time, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, drop a like. Uh, also, uh, hit the notification bell as well so that you can be prompted whenever we go live. Also, whenever we drop videos. Now that I figured out how to use the video on my laptop, I might be dropping some more videos, Richard. There it is. There it is. So anyway, um, so we'll just uh, keep an eye on that. Um, it's uh, been another uh Fantastic week, Richard. They just, I mean, top to bottom, uh, all of the games were terrific. Oh my goodness, um, yes. I think it's because Juve didn't play this weekend. I think that's really what it is, what it comes down to. <laughs> and that's a that's a good game this weekend or tomorrow as well with uh, Sassuolo, Sassuolo and Juventus. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think for, as far as that game is concerned, I fully expect Sassuolo to come out um, and be the aggressor. And Juve, I, I think Juve is going to soak and strike against them. So. We'll see. I, it's going to be an exciting game. Um, you know, Sassuolo, kind of a reputation for playing well against the good teams. And, and Juventus has kind of been, you know, sputtering to the finish here, looking at uh, looking at finishing fourth nonetheless, because all of the teams that could contend for fourth all tripped up this weekend. Uh, so uh, we will uh, we'll see how that rolls out on uh, Monday. So um, also have Inter nope. getting finally caught up with their game in hand on Wednesday at Bologna yeah, and yeah. a not as easy as you think game Bologna playing pretty inspired of late uh, playing for their manager, uh, Sinisa Mihailovic with what he's going through, um, you know, kind of, kind of middling as far as the table is concerned. Uh, but just trying to give people reasons for why I think that this is not a done deal uh, for the Nerazzurri. I think they better come out and uh, uh, be prepared uh, to play yeah. A, a very good, uh, you know, a, an opponent that's been good of late should have Marco Arnautovic back. Mm. Uh, didn't have him today against Udinese, um, you know, along with uh, some of the other compliments. So that game is more compelling uh, than you might think. It's not a done deal that Inter can win that game. Correct, correct. And you mentioned inspirational, uh, not 
Technically, it's related, but not really. I mean, it's college show related. Um, have you seen the Roberto Baggio? I'm, I'm late to the party. This this came out a while ago. The Roberto Baggio movie on Netflix. Have you seen that? I have not seen that yet. I finally saw it. It's a good movie. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, but you know, it talks about Baggio and goes through his you know his ups and downs in his career. It's really good. And the, and the guy who plays him is fantastic. It looks just like him. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. I'm, I know people have been watching it before. It's it's an older movie. Came out like a year ago or six months ago, but. Definitely recommend it on Netflix. Uh, it's a Roberto Baggio, the Divine Pony Sale movie. So check that out. And then you mentioned Juventus. Um, it's funny because Roberto Baggio was a Buddhist, and it was considered blasphemous, blasphemous to do that. You know, in a in a in such a country, a Catholic country like you know uh, Italy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something blasphemous right now. Uh, we talked about Juventus, pre- you know, previously. Um, I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna get a lot of haters for this. I say. Massimilio Allegri deserves a shout for manager of the year with what he's done with Juventus, considering all the injuries this year, what he's done, how they started and where they're at. Uh, I know not, not, not many people agree with me, not many Juventini will agree with me, but I think it's got to be said that, you know, the work he's done with Juventus, this long unbeaten streak, what he's done with the, the injuries he's had, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. I don't know what your thoughts on that. Um. If Milan go on and win the title, it's Stefano Pioli. I didn't, yeah, I didn't uh, say he was going to win. I didn't say he's in, in, in the running, in the shot. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Vincenzo Italiano is going to get a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly... Salernitana survive? Yeah, I think you got it. You're going to have Davide Nicoli in that conversation, no doubt about it. Um, I think uh, those, are, those are some candidates. I think you have to give some credit to Jose Mourinho for... You know the the you, as far as unbeaten runs go, he had Roma on a lengthy one as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think there have been some pretty good managerial performances. There have been some flops too. So, and if Inzaghi wins the title, you got to give it to Inter as well. I mean, Inzaghi's done a really good job of you know coming off the heels of Conte and what he did with Inter last year. That's not easy to follow, uh, especially with all the departures they had and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of good managerial uh, jobs this year. So, yeah. agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't hate the idea. You, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't make a hater out of me for saying that, but uh, I, I, I could, I think there might be two or three, whoever, yeah. whoever manages, uh, you know, whether it's purely managing Milan or, or Inzaghi managing Inter to the Scudetto, I think they're going to probably uh, have more of a chance than, than Allegri is. So yeah. um, that's, yeah. That's where I that's where I fall on that. So, but let's get on with it, Richard. Uh, we're going to start by just batching all nine games, and uh, we will then come back to obviously the most important ones. Uh, I will uh, run down the four games that took place on Saturday. It started off um, with Torino taking on Spezia. Uh, it was a two-one win for. The Granata Sasalukic in the fourth minute, a penalty. Uh, and then he also scores in the 69th minute. Um, and then uh, a consolation for Spezia, Raymond Nye getting a penalty late in the game, scoring that in the 97th, making it 2-1. Bramer leaves the game in the 76th minute with a knock. We don't know how serious that is yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on it. I think another guy that um, caught my attention, first time watching him play, Demba Sek. Uh, did you watch this kid? Yeah, he has a lot of good things. His finishing needs to work on that, but, I mean, he's got some moves. He's got some speed. I like what I'm seeing from this kid. Yep, yep. So, 
Uh, first time getting a real good look at, I know this was his third game with uh, Torino and the finishing product isn't quite there, but a guy we might need to keep our eye on here, young Senegalese player. You know, when I watched him, it was just kind of like, you know, I'm seeing some Sadio Mane there. So, and it made, makes sense now that it did a, a little, little bit taller. Yeah, see. but I see it. I see it. Um, you know, now that I, now that I actually, you know, see that he's Senegalese, it makes a ton of sense. So, um, but uh, Torino on the win there. Uh, Venezia hosting Atalanta. Um, it will it will be a uh, win for Atalanta there, 3-1. Venezia now all the way to the bottom. They have lost eight straight matches, uh, clearly heading in the other way versus some of these other teams who are trying to fight to survive. Um, Atalanta scoring just before halftime through Mario Pasolic in the 44th minute. Just after halftime, Duvan Zapata played in by Luis Muriel in the 47th minute. Boy, I'll tell you what, Atalanta players or Atalanta fans have been starving, uh, you know, for those two to be fit and playing together. It has not been frequent. So, uh, but you can see the danger that they can create when they're partnering together up front. Um, and uh, 63rd minute, Muriel would get the goal that he was looking for, hit the post prior to this, uh, Zapacosta with a great cross there. Uh, had it three goals to nil. And then Domen Cernigoy in the 80th minute played through by Ansame, making it 3-1 for the consolation there for Venezia. Uh, the big one on Saturday, Inter and Roma. Um, Inter winning by three goals to one. Uh, 30th minute, uh, big, big diagonal run by Denzel Dumfries, played in by Chalhanolu. He has brings the ball forward, just has Ray Patricio to beat, beats him and makes it 1-0. 40th minute goal of the week candidate, maybe back-to-back goals of the week. We'll see Marcelo Brozovic uh, after being played in by Ivan Perisic, taking on a couple of Roma defenders and then uh, putting the ball past Rui Patricio, making it 2-0. And then just after halftime in the 52nd minute, Lautaro Martinez heading home a Hakan Chalanolu cross. Big performance for Chalanolu with two assists. Um Henrik Mkhitaryan with the consolation in the 85th minute. I did say Mkhitaryan would score uh, for Roma yeah. in my thread that I put together. I just didn't get the result right. So. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, give me this. I will talk about it. I did say we'll talk about it when we break down the game. Hellas Verona and uh, Sampdoria playing to a 1-1 draw. Francesco Caputo um, misses his uh, penalty, uh, but the ball falls right back to him. He has an empty net to finish at scores there. Uh, and then it was Gianluca Caprari, who was owned by Sampdoria, uh, scoring for Hellas Verona in the 78th minute. Uh, honors even there on Saturday. Richard, what happened on, on Sunday, which is today? Oh, right. So Sunday, yeah, it was a lively day. Uh, let's start with Salernitana, a team who's in the relegation zone, trying to get out. Two wins on the track coming into this game, uh, hosting Fiorentina. Goals, I mean, Salernitana came out swinging in this one. They obviously wanted to get another win in this one. Uh, they finally got in the back of the net in the ninth minute, uh, or maybe it was uh, ninth minute. Juric, uh, nice play by him. Uh, they were banging at the door for a while, but they finally got it through Juric on a header. Um, looked like they were going to maybe chance to get three points until second half, 64th minute. Saponara, nice finish by him, 1 1. And you're thinking, oh, hell no, here we go. But Davide Nicola. He finds a way with his team to give him the heart. And uh, in the 79th minute, Bonazzoli, goal of the week candidate with the game-winning goal. Salernitana wins three in a row. And there's a chance, Frank. There's a chance. Uh, moving on, Bologna hosting Udinese. This game is, ends at 2-2. Aaron Hickey scores, gets a score scoring start in the sixth minute. 
uh, Udoji, goal of the week candidate there. Beautiful play by Udinese. It kind of set that up. Destiny with the back heel flick to Udoji puts it away. Uh, speaking of success, he would get his goal in the 46th minute, made it 2-1 to one, uh, at that point. But then Sansone would make it 2-2. Two, two. That game would end in a tie there. One of the craziest games of the weekend here. Uh, Empoli hosting Napoli. Uh, Napoli get the goal scoring started in the first half through Dries Mertens in the 44th minute, one nothing at halftime. Coming out of the break, looks like they're in control. Insigne gets another or gets a goal, 53rd, two nothing. Looks like this game is set and done. Napoli are cruising, trying to say it's good at the hunt, but not so fast. They played 79 minutes and then the last 10 minutes, the last eight minutes, honestly, the next eight minutes, I should say. Henderson gets a goal in the 80th. Pinamonte off a terrible mistake by Moret in the 83rd, and then the 88th minute. Pinamonte gets his brace. Empoli shock everyone except for their own fans, beating Napoli 3-2, to two, mm-hmm. ending their hopes of a Scudetto right there. Um, a relegation six-pointer moved on from that as Magenoa hosting Cagliari. This game, this is actually a pretty entertaining game for uh, most of the game was 0-0. Looked like we're going to end that way, but Milan Badel, game-winning goal, goal of the week candidate there, gives Genoa the win. And they're also thinking that maybe they're going to escape a relegation here. Galeri are stumbling here, as are Sampdoria, as you just mentioned. Uh, the, the last game of the weekend, or sub Sunday, uh, Lazio hosting Milan. Uh, Milan got punched in the mouth. They're, re- they're reeling from the midweek where they lost. They got beat by Inter in the Derby and the Copa Italia semifinal. 3 nothing there. So, they, you know, Immobile scores great goal. Both Timori and um, Kululu caught sleeping in the, in the early minutes of the game. But then that kind of woke Milan up, and it was really all Milan after that. Uh, looked like last year were trying to hold on for dear life. I mean, they were really – they were sticking around for long bits of the game. It took them a while. It took them until the 50th minute where Giroud uh, made it 1-1, and then all of a sudden you thought, okay, Milan's going to get a win here because as much pressure as they were putting on there. But for Lazio's credit, they were do- they were holding their own. They are bending but not breaking. Uh, but finally they broke in the 92nd minute. Uh, Tonali, after a uh, great play by Ante Rebic, Gets in, gets it somehow to uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who heads it over to uh, Tonali, and Tonali puts it away right on the doorstep. Uh, two to one, Milan went on the road. Huge points. Had they lost this, they would have maybe lost their suit at the hopes as well. So Milan scavenged points. Um, crazy weekend of games, uh, not just Sunday but Saturday as well. Where do you want to start with all this? Well, let's start with Inter and Roma. Um, there was a part of me that thought Inter would hang over from winning the Derby in the, in the Copa Italia. And then, you know, with Roma b- being relatively dangerous, outplaying Napoli for large stretches, especially in the second half, I thought things were ripe for Roma to go ahead and uh, um, uh, beat Inter here. I thought that a, a letdown from Inter, an upset from Roma, Jose Mourinho coming back to against his old team's home where he won the treble. I just think, you know, the stars were kind of lined perfectly for that to happen. But, you know, and when I I did do my uh, pregame thread on that, I didn't get a chance to do one for Lazio Milan, although, you know, I that game went just about <laughs> how I thought it would go too. Um, but I, I Inter and Roma came down to midfield supremacy. And like I said, I, I thought – Jekyll and Lataro were not going to scare the Roma back three. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, if they've been able to deal with Koulibaly, if they've been able to deal with some of these other strikers and some of these other attacks, that 
they're not going to be flustered uh, with with Jekyll and Lotaro. And and what I thought was go and look at my thread to where the goals are going to come from for Inter are going to be through midfield. Um, so or even the wingbacks, where I thought that that Dumfries and Patisic way ahead of Karsdorp and Zalewski. So yeah, yeah. for me, that's where I thought Inter had the huge advantages, where I thought Roma had the advantages were they were outnumbered in midfield, but they also had technical players that when they won the ball could have the passing range to spring the kind of attacks. When you look at how Mourinho set up in 3-4-2-1, um, you know, Pellegrini and 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 El Shirawi were going to be tasked with coming back and helping the midfield a little bit to try to get try to make up some numbers, but they were also in some positions that I thought could put some pressure on Barella and Chalhanolu too, and it never got there. Um, no. Uh, what post did IFTV made on? Oh, make about on? Davide Nicola. And, uh, oh, about Davide yeah, Nicola. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, anyway. Um, I thought that they could find themselves in dangerous positions where you can create some confusion, especially with DeMarco playing. And I thought that maybe some of that confusion, some of the other fantasy things that I thought, you know, would happen would lead to Roma winning 2-1. Uh, clearly got that wrong. <laughs> so, um, I mean, and you look where the goal, where did the goals come from? Chalhanolu with Dumfries, Pedisic with Brozovic. So the combination of those couple of talking points and then, you know, Lataro scored on a corner, you know, so um, didn't score in the run of play. So I think things kind of fell, you know, in terms of what we could expect from that game. I think that all went to plan. Just the result for me didn't. I thought Roma would win the game. Uh, so yeah. could have been um, a trap game for Inter and it wasn't right. It and that's what being. I was, that's what I was thinking, especially Mourinho's homecoming and, all this other stuff, but yeah. And like I said, I, I, I said Mkhitaryan would score. Uh, yeah. So I got that right. Um, it's funny. Cause these two teams coming into this game, right? Romo went on this huge unbeaten streak, right? Which is great. Mourinho, what he's done with them has been fantastic. And then Inter are starting to play with more with swagger and confidence. Now. I mean, look what they did to Milan in the midweek and look how they've been playing coming into this. They've been playing with full of confidence. And so who's going to really bend in this one? And when you think of teams with that with the midfields that both these teams have, if anyone's going to play this one touch quick play and then end up with a goal, you think it's going to be Roma, right? They've done it for many yeah. weeks. They've done it, and it's Roma. It's excuse me, it's Inter with the first goal. That was a beautiful goal started by DiMarco, tic tac toe all throughout the uh, through the, the midfield, and eventually finds Dumfries on that breakaway, and he puts a you know slots at home pass through Patricio. So I mean, that was just a brilliant team goal there by Inter, yeah. and Inter looked very much. Full of swag, full of confidence. Look like they want to make a statement. Say, "This is our scudetto. We're gonna keep it. We're gonna. You have to beat us." Uh, and they look very strong, very hungry in this game. And that first, it, get the goal scoring started early. Got the second one. Obviously, got the third one as well. But um, they came to play. They meant business uh, in this one. The statistics are, you know, look fairly even. But I mean, Inter were clinical again. Um, you know. They that, that win in the midweek did something for them. We thought maybe this could be a trap game, but obviously it's not. And I think you got to give credit to Inzaghi, no doubt about what, how Inter played this year. But at times when you think, when you're expecting, most of us are expecting a trap game here or there, he hasn't prepared, especially as of late. Obviously, they had a little dip in form like a month ago or whatever. But yeah. you know, for the most part of the season, when you're expecting a dip in them, or excuse me, a, a trap game, and they don't have it. 
And this is a yep. prime example. They could have easily faltered against a, uh, a Roma who's been on this great unbeaten streak, and they didn't. And they look very strong in this game. So, I mean, Zaghi's got this team ready. I mean, they look like they could repeat in this in this, this season. I think you have to be impressed with how disciplined Inter are. You know, there's yeah. a time when yeah, there was a time where you wouldn't dream of saying Inter and discipline in the same sentence unless you were saying Inter are not disciplined. I mean, yeah. um, and so, Roma had their chances, right? I mean, uh, Anthony yeah. makes a good point. Mancini missed a, a sitter of a header. And yeah. that, he scored that, it could have changed the game, but he didn't, you know, and it kept going. Clearly, you could look at Roma's back three, though, and their priority was Jekyll and Lotaro. Um, yeah. Because they all, you know, they, they kind of went as a unit to where they were running, and that's how that opened up the Dumfries goal. Dumfries just goes diagonal behind all of them. And is that where the mistake was, do you think, with Roma? Like, trying to focus on both Jekyll and Lautaro? Lautaro's been hot as of late. I understand that. But, like, together, when they play together, it doesn't seem like they work as well as, say, Lautaro and, and Sanchez or Correa or whoever. Um, so maybe that focus defensively by Roma is what they really cost them, at least with that first goal, right? Because they, they pressed up so high, like you said. Yep, yep. And I think that that's – I think that's one, one thing that did them in – I mean, the, I think the other thing that hurts Roma, you don't have a midfielder here that can protect those three, you know, um, and that can adequately confront Chalanola when he has the ball or Barella when he has the ball. You know, I, I think that for Sergio Oliveira, I think he's more technical. I think he's a great passer from the midfield. He's a good specialist. We know that. Juve fans know that. Um, you know, so... You know, Pellegrini, same thing. He's a guy that you look for for technique, helping keep the ball. Mkhitaryan is kind of a guy that, you know, he's a guy that will find the spaces that the forwards are leaving, and he gets there. He gets into those pos positions. He's clever with his movement off the ball. But none of these guys, for me, are a a stopper type player, a defensive midfield type player. And you had those guys on the bench. You had Amadou Diawara on the bench. Um, he goes for Veretu, uh in for Pellegrini, Mourinho does. He goes for Bove for Oliveira. And I understand you're trying, you have to chase the game. There's no reason to put a yeah. you know a midfield stopper type. I don't know if this would be the spot to play Diawara from the start. Um I think but, Mourinho is a little too aggressive in this because I think, you know, to your point, it probably would have been better, you know, if he started some, someone alongside Sergio Oliveira, right? Whether it's like a Cristante or Diawara or something like that. You got two guys there to kind of clog up that midfield. And it seemed like, even though the very offensive formation has been working for Roma, this mm -hmm. is Inter. This is a team who's been flying all season long. You kind of have to adjust. You can't just play the same style every time and hope that it's going to it's gonna win. And so maybe that's also where, you know, the, you're playing with the back three, with the, the wrong focus in Jekyll and Lataro, and then not having the double pivot back there, you left Sergio Oliveira to your credit, like to your point is that he's not the guy who's going to help protect that back three. And so maybe they should have doubled up there, let the game draw out even zero, zero or one, one, whatever, and then go for the offense. I don't know. It just yeah. seemed like Mourinho has been getting so much right lately. And I think in this instance, he should have just tweaked the formation just a little bit. I mean, it's hindsight, right? You can say it in hindsight. Sure. Won sure. This game, you would have been like, Oh, whatever, you know, but. I, I don't know, you know, I could see why he played the way he did. He figured, you know, let's let's go and chase it. Let's go and get 
let's get a goal or two. Let's get ahead. And then a DOR can come on and this guy can come on and we can try to lock things up a little bit more as we go. Um, but he was never able to do that. So um, another efficient performance from Inter. I mean, it's, it's, it's really the best way to describe them. Um, I don't think, I mean, clearly a great week for them winning three, one here, winning three nil against Milan in the, in the Derby in the Coppa Italia, you know, neither are games that I would, I would, I would not say they ran riot. Nope. Um, they were efficient. They took their chances. They scored their chances. Um, you know, they're comfortable letting you have the ball a little bit more than than them. Um, what did we say last week when we were looking at this game? We were saying, you know, they they're happy to live in the forty five percent, and that's exactly what they had for possession. Hmm. Um, they're happy to to have only that much of the ball because they can do so much with it. They're capable. They can catch you. So, um, how do you see there? I mean, I, I, right now, I think everyone seems to just be anointing them the champions at this point. Even with it, I, even they got a game in hand, but they're two points back. It seems like many people want to just go ahead and 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 crown them. Uh, and a lot of people look to the to the fixture list here over the over the last few games that they have the edge that they can make up the points that Milan they are expected to drop the points. Um, I'll say this. I think that it's not too much of a stretch to say that Inter are the most talented team in Serie A. So if they do pull this off, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, you know, I think that it would be what it would be for me. It would, it would be a surprise for me because I think, I expected when I looked at it at the beginning of the season, as I'm sure you did too, there would be a psychological drop-off with Inzaghi as manager versus Antonio Conte. It has not happened really. And it hasn't. It's amazing that it hasn't happened. And I think that that's why you you have the conversation that if Inter win this Scudetto, um, that Simone Inzaghi is the manager of the season. So, um, you know, and, you know, after, after talking it out. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 we, 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 who knows what's going to happen? Crazy things have happened, you know, in these title run-ins. But uh, we're in for we're in for a thrill here over the last four and a half match days. Yeah, yeah and you know the eye test tells you a lot too. I mean, you can't always go with the eye test, but you know, I, I'm looking at it right now, and Inter looks so confident right now. It looks like there's no chance they're going to drop points. Now, there's it's a two horse race at the moment. Milan has to be perfect going through. They have to win, get three points every single time out. Mm-hmm. Inter can, you know, Inter, Inter. If they mess up, they they lose. But of the two teams, they look the most confident right now. They look like they're not going to lose. In, the, in their schedule, maybe a little bit easier, but it doesn't matter. This time of year, different teams are fighting for different things. Uh, that your opponents, I mean, you know. And so Bologna could trip them up. Other teams could trip them up, but. For me, between the two teams, if anyone's going to slip up, it's going to be Milan over Inter at the moment. Just just on the eye test. I know you can't go by that, but I don't know. I I, I feel it's Inter's title to lose. Um, and granted, they have a game in hand, so obviously that's the point. But I don't know. I th- I think they're in the driver's seat at the moment. You know, just just the way they're playing. If if they ha- if they're if they're playing like Milan, eking out victories, getting tight games. Okay, but they're you know they're they're winning fairly comfortably and efficiently, like you said, the last two games this week, perfect points, efficient. 
is what they are. That's what a champion does. They win efficiently sometimes. Um, now, granted, you can look back at Allegri's teams. They've always won ugly, right, it seems like, uh, with Juventus. So uh, even with Milan back in the day. So I don't know. Long way to go. Four games, four and a half weeks to go. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I give my advantage at the moment to Inter. Uh, I, just, I just think they look so good at the moment. Look so good. So. Is it an, I mean, let's speak about Roma here real quick um, because there was a great opportunity for them here. Win this. Um, yeah, they're still oh, yeah. in fifth. But they're win this and you put some, pre- you put some pressure on Juventus again. Uh, Juventus can win this game against Sassuolo tomorrow and it would all but lock up fourth for them. There would be eight points clear of Roma with four to play. Right. Um, now, is this an indictment on Roma? Is this the here we go again with Roma in a big game? Um, or has there been enough progress from them under Mourinho this season that you're willing to give them a pass just for this time? But the next time you see one of these seven sisters, it's time to start winning. Yeah, I, I'm leaning toward the latter where I think I give them a pass because I think. Inter has been so efficient lately, and so the game was fairly tight, but you know, Inter were clinical, and they had the opportunities they scored. Roma has to do better on that aspect, um, but I don't think it was any... If, if Roma had got blitzed and lost, you know, 3 nothing or something, or they were just completely dominated from front to back, okay, yeah, I would say this is a, a worrying sign, but, you know, this Inter team is good, you know, and so I, I you got to give a pass on this one. And if it happens again against the Seven Sisters, okay, you can maybe look at this and say, okay, maybe it's a mental thing with them, but because um, we thought we got over that. But I, this Inter team is pretty efficient at the moment, and it's hard to fault Mourinho and Roma because of how good Inter are. I think. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm I'm kind of with you here. I think that you know the fifth place. In, in, in failing to miss top four, I think that Roma fans will look at that and they'll look at that as a failure. They'll look at that as a disappointment. But I think that you'd have to probably look at the actual body of work. I think you have to watch the games right now to see what, what's going on with Roma, that it is getting it's gotten better. There's there's more there's more of a spine to them. Absolutely. Um, you keep allowing Mourinho to get his project going, give him a chance to invest. And I get that it has not gone well for him at some Premier League stops of late. Um, but, you know, he might find his groove here. Sometimes a manager just needs to find a place where they can regroup and rebuild rebuild his own brand and, you know, and get it going. I mean, <laughs> classic example of that is Stefano Pioli, who wore out his welcome at Lazio and in and, and Inter and Fiorentina. Um, he just... It's just you know he his his message just stopped getting through to the players. But here he is at Milan, and he's been this is he's been here longer yeah. than he's been at any of those other places. And the message sticks. It's 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 still there, and you know clearly they're they're fighting for this guy. They're 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 fighting under him, and 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 he's leading the way, and he's coming up with with wins. So, um, probably a good way to segue into Milan Lazio. Um, <laughs> just. Total loss of concentration on Milan's part on the Immobile goal, but I, I thought it was—I thought it was a more clever run from Immobile than the Paramount Plus guys suggested. I think that they put a lot of emphasis on Kalulu's failure to get touch tight. Um, I don't know if you listened to them at halftime. Yeah. Um, I think you have to notice what happened on the goal, and yeah, some of that is—is is, yeah, Kalulu's got to got to stay with them. 
But I thought it was a clever run from Immobile because if you pause it, watch, don't watch the ball, watch Immobile and watch where he takes Kalulu first. He's almost like he's taking him to the back corner of that six yard box. He's the best at that. He's the best yeah. at that. You know, where those first few steps and they're hard. Okay. Yeah. So he's dragging you there. And then at the last second, he cuts in front of you and, and gets to the ball before you do and taps it in. He is so clever. Immobile is so clever with his box running. And I think you got to give him a lot of credit, but at the same time, you know, there's some there's some guys that were switched off here. Tomori, um, just ever so slightly out of position, a ball that he easily could have gotten to. Didn't really need to man mark anybody there, but he was in a good position. Busy uh, ball just, watching, though. Yep, just ball watching, just switching off. But combination of some lack of concentration on the part of Milan, but a great run and finish by Immobile. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just uh Malikovic, great pass. I mean, he did some good work on that play too. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, of the players that are at fault, you would lean more towards Tomori and Kalulu, right? Kalulu with the positioning and, and Tomori should have been more head on a swivel. Notice who was in the box. I mean, if anyone and lots of you want to pay attention to, it's Immobile. His his movement is is second to none. He just knows to find those little gaps, and he noticed that Tamori wasn't watching, so he, he snuck in there, dragged Kalulu out of the way, like you said, and, and he made that move and made that run. And so Malikovic Savic, with that great assist to him, found him in uh, the nice toe poke by Immobile. So, yeah, it's just uh, they were caught sleeping. Looked very reminiscent as they did against Inter when, uh, you know, this this back three, we call the back three, was Tamori, Kalulu, and Magnon. They've been so rocked defensively. Uh, stopping everybody, and then Inter just kind of exposed them. All the mistakes that they had happened all in that game, and then it, you start out this game with a goal against, and you're like, okay, what what the hell? Did we just find the Krypton here against them? But you know, they they recovered nicely, I think, after the first you know four four six minutes or whatever it is. Um, I mean, after that after that goal, after those first five or six minutes, I it, there was really only one team out there. Uh, the rest of the way, Milan. I mean, they dominated this game. Yeah. Um, down one nil at halftime. I'm walking out of my living room, um, saying, "Let me get to Mark's comment here." Wasn't listening to the halftime show. Think Lazio deserves more credit than Milan deserves. Blame for that goal. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, Mark, we gave it fifty fifty. Um, I mean, we just praised the run by Immobile, um, and kind of the clever movement delivery of the ball to Milinkovic Savic. So we, we praised that, but we did catch a couple of things there. You know, we talked about Kalulu not being able to stay touch tight with Immobile, which was emphasized on Paramount Plus, but then Tomori just kind of napping, uh, which yeah. was strange, uh, you know, in a position where he probably could have gotten to the ball before it even got to Immobile. But anyway, um, I thought Milan dominated the, sec- the the rest of that first half. Um, they were very aggressive. I think they went about it the right way. It was all about Leal 1v1 with Lazzari. Um, and Leal constantly took the end line against him. He didn't want to take his chances cutting in and dealing with uh, the center back. He, he, he almost every time where I thought at the beginning of the, you know, as this was going on, he kept looking to pull it across the six for Giroud and, Cutback runs were wide open. Tonali, Cassie, when they were making those runs and just not finding it. So there's a little bit of that being missed. Um, and then 
a positive performance on the other flank from Junior Macias, it has to be said. Yep, one of the best players in the, in the game for Milan, absolutely. Um, Phil, brings up a great, Phil brings up a great point because last year when Lazio scored early against Milan in this, in this fixture, they thrashed Milan, and Milan responded very well in this game immediately after the goal. And, you know, to your, your mention, we knew Leao was going to be effective in this, in this game. Obviously, he was, and Teo Hernandez from the left-hand side. But Junior Messias, you know, had a really good performance in this game. He was hustling a lot. Um, create a lot of things. He moved. He hustled a lot. He moved around a lot. Found some nice passes around. Uh, did some nice link-up play. Uh, he was everywhere, I think, and uh, he deserves a lot of credit in this game. Yeah, one of the best players for Milan. Not the best, but one of the best players. Uh, certainly one of his better performances in a red and black kit. I thought. I thought the effort was good. If I want to nitpick, um, he had some. Uh, he, he had some crosses that were just slight. That were just under hit enough. You know, he has no right foot too. He had a great chance that he missed with the right foot weak shot. Um, are you talking about the volley, the cross that came in from from Leo? Yeah, yeah, that was with his left foot. That was it. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's even more inexcusable because that's his best foot. Uh, it's hard play, but I mean, you know, you expect a, a player of that caliber in City A to finish. It's that. difficult because it's a ball that's coming at you in the air. Yeah, and. I, you know, I watched, I watched it a couple of times um, and his hips are practically facing layout in the corner flag, uh, you know, when the ball's being delivered. Yeah, and if you just ball. try to hit a volley straight on from a position like that, that's where the ball's going to go. Um, you've got to find a way to dip your right shoulder, do something, get, you get where you can kind of even somewhat side volley it. If you're going to use your left foot there. Now, if he can twitch his hips a little bit, so that the ball gets on his right foot. Now his hips are facing the target. Yeah. Okay. And he has a much better chance of getting something on target and putting Strakosha under some pressure. So that was the real beef I had with that yeah. particular, you know, use of technique or, or things like that. So, um, and you mentioned layout, you know, or oh, you mentioned the back door being so wide open. And the one time he didn't go back door is probably where you probably should have. He had a great opportunity where he, uh, he faked out Lazzari and he went for a shot near side when he had, re or excuse me, Giroud wide open in the backside. And had he even shot it and been, you know, saved, he would have been right there for the wide open, you know, put in rebound. So you saw Giroud was really pissed off at that play. But yeah, I mean, I think Milan responded very well. Lazio, I think, too, were. After they scored that goal, instead of having that killer instinct like they did last year, they yeah. kind of sat back and said, "Okay, let's you know soak up some of this pressure, maybe catch him on the counterattack." And Milan just kept wave after wave after wave. It looked like they were gonna break at any point. And you know, to Lazio's credit, they held on for that first half that for dear life. Um, you you would imagine they were gonna change that second half, but it, they really didn't. Yeah. Um, I want to give a lot of credit. You know, I want to give a lot of credit to Pierre Kalulu too. Um, because he had a lot of the responsibility on Immobile throughout the course of the game. That goal that Immobile scored was his only shot of the wow. match. So wow. did not do um, that. You know, relatively speaking, he played Chiro out of the game after that. So for a young player to do that, you know, and regroup is, is something impressive. I mean, I think over it would, this was an overall excellent team performance. Yeah. Um, some criticisms of the substitutions that – that Pioli went with, especially mm. taking Leao out late in the game. I know that that came under some scrutiny. I mean, I I didn't have a problem with it, and I understand people don't like Salamakers anymore, but I just looked at it and I said, I, Leao has to be gassed. 
because that is constant. Just he was. You could tell people. he was, but yeah. still, like he was the only guy who was really doing anything. Him and Giroud, because he was he, up, he started finding Giroud a lot. Um, and so I think those two players coming off, you're thinking like, what the heck are you doing? Bringing in Salamakers. I think it was Brevich or something. I can't remember exactly who, the, who came in initially. Um, but you know, Messias came off. He was having a good game. That I mean, that made sense. And yep. Diaz came off as well. But um, yeah, the, the guys who came in ultimately did make some moves. Uh, in particular, Ante Rebic and Zlatan Ibrahimovic in terms of winning the game. Um, but yeah. Giroud does what he does and got that game-time goal, which, you know, you expect Re- him in the big games. He always does it. Rebic was key, yeah. Um, you know, as a substitute in, in, in some of the energy that he played with. So definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember. You know, look at the Lazio side. Uh, I cannot remember a worse game from Luis Alberto that I've at least sat down and watched. Yeah, he um, he had like a couple flashes, but for the most part, you know, him, Sergei Malikovic is a little bit better, but, you know, Kessie's doing a good job on him yet again. Um, Kessie missed a sitter also. He's not that great of a shooter, it seems like. But, yeah, I think Milan did their, their job on them. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's a credit to how Milan pressed them. Yeah, yeah. Because and I, and, if you're yeah. you're pressing him, he's got a he comes. You know where where's where's Albert Luis where's Luis Alberto going to hurt you when he's entering your third? Yep. If he's got to come back and get the ball in his third, he he's not going to hurt you. Yeah. So uh, you know, but go ahead. You know, oh, listen, you know it's bad when Messias is tearing you apart. And so yeah. every time he beats somebody, they sub him out, right? Radu got Radu got beat bad by Messias, and they pulled him like instantly. Uh, but Messi has had a really good game, but you know, Lucas Leva was struggling this game. Not only Luis Alberto, uh, Lazzari was mostly ineffective. He early on he was good, but kind of faded away. Um, I mean, Stracosha was good, Cherby was holding his own for the most part. Um, Patrick was decent in this game. I think, I think Patrick was probably better than a Cherby in this one, but uh, yeah, Lazio just seemed like they were content with sitting back. I don't know if they're content or this had no chances, like Milan was hell-bent on scoring a goal and then eventually winning it. Um, it was just one-way traffic after that early goal, and um, yeah. Bagnon was hardly tested after that first goal. Right. Um, a couple of uh, couple of high claims on some set pieces, and that's it. I mean, nothing else that I recall that really troubled him. So let me say this. Before we get even deeper into this game, for me, uh, the play where Strakosha hits it off of Messias' face, come back at him, that's a red for me. We've seen it before. I mean, it's happened. Was it that he tried to grab it? No, but it hit his hands. It's both of his hands. He puts it down immediately and passes away. That's a red for me. He's the last man, the last man on defense. It should have been a red. We now, got an explanation from Christina Uncle at halftime. Okay. On that. Um, and she said there was a specific component that you're looking for to warrant it actually being a red. And okay. I, I think I didn't listen to all of it. Um I want to say, and and Lacey, if you're in here, I'm sure you listened to it. Um, I think what it came down to was, you know, is was it going was was it denying a clear goal scoring opportunity? You know, was it denying a clear goal? Was the ball on the way to the goal? Uh, there was. I, I'm paraphrasing. Sure. Um, but that that I think was the component that was missing from from the referee making the decision to give a red. So 
I do love her explanations of calls because yeah. uh, though I don't always agree with her, it's nice to see the referee's perspective of what they're exactly looking for. Right. I really love when they when they chime in and ask her, you know, what what's the rules that are in this situation. So that's pretty cool. I mean, and, and referees generally speaking, referees have to be by the book and they have to stick to they have to go with what the laws are telling them. You know, they, they it's their job to, you know, judge the game in accordance with the laws of the game. You know, there are some things in the laws of the game or there are some moments that might be an abandonment of common sense, Um, you know, uh, but these are the laws of the game and their strictest definition and they're being interpreted in their, in their strictest definition. So. And, if, and if Milan had lost, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been because of that. It would have been because they no. couldn't score a goal. They found no, ways and they to had a ton of chances. Game. I don't know. Yeah. That, that shouldn't have even been a factor. I mean, exactly. it should have been, it should have been about three or four, one at halftime. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it probably would have been harder for them had they been up a man, honestly. Right. And, and, and Michael saying this, yeah. And, and Michael saying the same thing, the ball wasn't directly going into goal or anything. So, and, okay. and, and that was the explanation that Christina gave. Okay. So, and I said that that's what they're that's what they're looking for when they're trying to consider if it should be a red. So, I just first image that comes to my head is Pagliuca uh, in the World Cup getting a handball outside the box and getting a red card, and you know that puts you know Italy in a in a bind after that game. But uh, anyway, that's the first image that came to mind. That's what I thought when I saw that. But all right, good to hear that. That was against Norway. Yeah, that was against Norway. The second group game, I remember that. Yeah, Um, and that was. I'm pretty sure the referee was probably from a with no without being with at a, at the risk of being disrespectful to that country, like <laughs> not as developed as a footballing nation. Because sure. sometimes you're going to get these referees at the FIFA World Cup that yep. their interpretations of the laws of the game are okay. They they they, they, not, probably, they don't have the experience of the big games like some of the European. Ones that's what whatever. I'm getting at exactly. Yeah. So big game um, experience. Yeah, they don't have that big game experience and the big game speed. Uh, you know, to be able to process it like, you know, the referees in England or Italy or Germany can. So, um, you know, that's just uh, just food for thought. You know, as this pertains to Lazio, um, you know, we should we should probably break them down a little bit here. I mean, I just I have nothing to talk about except that that goal. I mean, this is a I think this is a rundown team. They yeah. their priorities. That whole back four has to start over. Has to has to be a reboot. I think Patrick's probably the only guy you can save from that group. Um, and that's only because of his performance in the last month or so, really. Honestly, right? A Cherby is a Cherby is on fumes. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and uh, the fullbacks. I mean, Lazzotti is a wing back in a three man defense. He is not a fullback, and right. and his defensive. Uh, deficiencies were on full display tonight. Radu's old. I mean, it's just like it's you know it was it was easy pickings for Milan from the flanks, and they can really really have a go at the Lazio fullbacks. You could press Leva. You could cause him into you know to do all sorts of sorts of things, put him into all sorts of trouble. You know, I still you know this is going to be an unpopular opinion among Lazio supporters. Jerry and Steven, cover your ears. Get whatever you. Go ahead and get paid for Sergey, and turn that money around and reinvest it, and get that squ- get the squad strengthened in other areas. You know, yeah. because you're not going to be able to threaten the top four. You know, heck, even threaten the top six when you see what teams like Fiorentina and these teams that are sitting, 
you know, seventh through 10th, what they're, what they're capable of, if they can continue to develop, you know, suddenly you're going to find yourself being that ninth or 10th place team. If you're going to continue to have an over-reliance on two players, you know, it's, if you look at this Lazio team in halves, right? If you go, you know, Sergei Milinkovic, Luis Alberto, and then you take maybe Felipe Anderson and and, and Immobile, mm. it's a pretty good attacking, you know, attacking players. But then the rest sure. of the players, you're like, eh. So then they need depth. They need better players. How are you going to get that? Sometimes you have to sell players to get more, you know, get some money, like you said, and, and, and reinvest. Um, I thought Felipe Anderson was decent in this game. Um, like you mentioned, Immobile kind of disappeared after after the goal. Great job by Kalulu. But I think I thought Felipe Anderson was the most lively of the players. Milinkovic Savic was decent okay, as well, but Luisa Berter was quiet. Lucas Leiva was played off the pitch. Uh, defense wasn't that great either. So I mean, yeah, it's a lot to a lot to look down for Lazio. I didn't think Strakosha was that bad. I thought he had some good saves in this game, not at fault for the goals or anything like that. So I mean, a few bright spots for for Lazio. I mean, I think. I do think they're going to be better significantly next year under under uh, Maurizio Sarri. But are they at Roma's level? Probably not. Probably I think Roma's not. at Roma's past them. Yeah, and they need to reinvest or get money or spend money. Is Lotito going to spend the money? I don't know. He's not the kind of guy who does that. But if you want to, you know, you see a cross on rival spending the money and and doing better than you, you maybe you should spend some money or spend at least something. You gotta, you need a, you need a central defensive midfielder and you need two wing backs. You know, find a position for Lazzari and then two center backs, maybe maybe one center back. But uh, regardless, it's it's they need some help. Yep, they definitely do. Um, moving on to we, you and I, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had Anthony on. The belief was if you know when it was a three team race, the first team that was going to fall was going to be Napoli, um, and we tried to map out where the points were going to get dropped. We did not anticipate drop points at any, you know, in any no. regard against Empoli. And no. here you are. I mean, and to be fair, Empoli deserved to win. I mean, Empoli played yeah. great. Uh, yeah. If for anybody that watched this game, yes, Napoli had more of the, I mean, Pini Monti almost scored in the first couple minutes of the game. Empoli had a ton of chances on target. They had seven shots on target, yeah. you know? And so they, they put, they put Merritt under pressure all game with what limited uh, amount of the ball that they had. They, they they gave them trouble. You know, Napoli were going to get their chances, which you would expect. But, I mean, Napoli have bombed out of this race in sensational fashion. I get statistically that they're still in it. That's being nice. But, wow. Um, you know, the, the first goal, okay, fine. Ball bounces. It falls to an Empoli player, fine. But Alex Merritt... Oh. That ball needs to be in oh. row Z Shades before, of before Pina Monte <laughs> gets within five yards of it. Oh okay. It, it reminded me of uh, what got – I was watching Chelsea and Arsenal in the middle of the week, and it's like you want to laugh at Chelsea and saying, really, Tamori's surplus to you guys, and you run Andreas Christensen out there, and he can't pass the ball back to his goalkeeper. <laughs> um, but I digress. Um, anyway – that ball's got to be blasted into Rosie. There's no other choice there. Take, give up the throw in, let the, you know, let your defense regroup. Um, just a shocking thing to have happen. And then just a few minutes later, Pinamonte, or was it Pinamonte that scored the winner? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, excellent cross. I mean, go and look at the Roma game and go and look at this game. There's a fragility to Napoli when you press them. 
you know, I mean, and, and I get it. This, okay, Koulibaly was out for this game. Um, so there was so many different ways Empoli were going to have a chance to go at them. Um, it, you know, with, with Juan Jesus back there with Rachmani, a, a, a center back partnership that just has not played a lot together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, and is it, and you got to wonder if it's just, if it's Spalletti, wherever he goes, the, the mental fragility just follows because we saw it when he was at Roma, we saw it when he was at Inter and now it showed its ugly head here at, at, at Napoli in the space of seven minutes against Empoli. Yeah. We used to say this also about Inter under Conte as well, under pressure, they did not do well. Uh, they've, mm. obviously, they've obviously figured how to do that now. But, uh, yeah, Napoli, it seems like you put them under right, the right amount of pressure, even though they have super skilled guys, it just they can't cope with, you know, maybe it's a Spalletti system or whatever. But And you're up 2 nothing against a team in the, you know, a bottom team, honestly, if you want to call it that. A team and, that had pretty much quit on the season yes. going in. Yeah, and yeah, obviously, like you said, the first goal, Henderson scores. Okay, that's, that's fine. You're going to give up a goal. Great. But Moret not doing his, his best there. And then they a total collapse allowed a third goal to happen. Yes, it was a great goal, but it should never have happened. You know, don't give the guys the freedom to make the pass or the shot, whatever. Um, I think Empoli finally showed up to a game here in the second half of the season. And what a game to do it. I mean, this is what they're – I think I think I read somewhere it was maybe the first win since the last time they played Napoli back in December. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, yeah, crazy. Crazy if that's the case. Um, but yeah, Napoli, I don't know, man. They um they had to win. They had to win to remain in Scudetto Hunt and they and they lost. We already talked about last week how they're basically done. Uh and this just all but confirmed it this week. And you know, Spalletti, while he's done some really, really great things this year, everyone's gonna look back at how the Scudetto race ended. Uh, in particular games like this where they should have won games against Empoli. If you're losing to Milan or, or Inter or Juve, okay, that's one thing. But losing to teams about half the table, especially when you got so much on the line, is inexcusable. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to lose his job. He shouldn't. But he needs to figure out a way to overcome these kind of hurdles because there is a good team, good team here. I would say 85 to 90% of this team is really good. You just have to get a couple pieces here to figure that out because what they're doing mentally here at the end is not good enough, and they have to figure out a way how to break the press, uh, whether it's playing out defensively, get a keeper that's good. I, I don't know. they got to figure that out. And until they do, you're going to have games like this, and it's going to be like massively annoying as a Napoli fan. I, can wait. I saw all the tweets this weekend, how pissed they are, and, and they deserve to be pissed off because inexcusable. Eight no. minutes, you blow your season, basically. So, I don't know, man. I feel for them. I do. I, I, I do as well. It's 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 unfortunate, but is there something wrong? I mean, I, Merton scored, so I, I'm nitpicking here, but is there something yeah, wrong with Zielinski? He hasn't been – it seemed like he's been quite right, you know, lately. You know, both you have Mertens and, and Insigne score, but, I mean, Zielinski was so dominant in the beginning of the season. Probably the first yeah. three quarters of the season, he's so dominant. And then the last couple – last month or so, he's just it, – it just a visual. I haven't watched the games as in-depth as I, as I could on him. And, you know, I haven't been focusing on Zielinski, but he doesn't seem like he's been popping out. I've seen glimpses of him here and there, but, you know, I, I want to talk to some Napoli fans and, and get their point of view of, of with how Zelensky's been playing. Because, like I said – I have to go back and watch some of these games and watch just Zelensky, see how he's been playing to mm. really have a, a great assessment on him. But uh, it did, 
from what I've seen, it just seems like it's not quite the same player. Maybe he's tired. You know, Barella went through this, right, where he was just completely exhausted from all the games. Maybe he's yep. there. Maybe Zelensky's in the same way. I don't know. Yep. Um, how do you fix Napoli then? I mean, how do how what what needs to be done? I mean, I think that you know, there's no uh, Di Lorenzo on the right hand side. They're, they're they're running this kid yeah. out there, Zanoli, who's getting some valuable experience. He's getting he some well right on the job uh, on the job training. Was it last week or was it no? The Atalanta game, I thought he was really good. Oh yeah, yeah, that's um, awesome, the yeah. Roma game. I thought was a struggle for him, and I thought that you know this game was eh, it was kind of yeah, I probably put it somewhere in between the other two. Um, but you got Mario Rui, who we talk about, who can be a liability for you defensively. Yeah, both wingbacks need to be replaced. Yep. Um, well, you got to get Di Lorenzo fit again because I think that that's your best answer at right back. Um, yeah, I think they had something really nice going with Rachmani and. Rahmani and uh, yeah, uh, they need a backup center, center backup uh, center back uh, just in case one of them goes down or is injured or whatever suspended. They can jump in because Juan Jesus is not the answer uh, by any mm. stretch. Um, I love their midfield uh, and they just got to figure out what they want to do in attack with the wingbacks. Obviously, Insigne is gone. As you know, you're going to focus with Elmas or you can put someone else in there. What happens when Mertens leaves? You know, you got all these other question marks there. You know, what happens with Politano and and Lozano as well? So. You know, a lot to figure out who's going to stay first, and once you get when you once you figure that out, replace the the two wing backs. Are you done with Moret now? After this, do you do you pick a goaltender and stay with it? How, how do you do that? You know, we got two goal goalkeepers who have been sharing the, the limelight, really. Um, right. So, got some questions, I think. But I think center back and midfield, I think they're they're solid, and obviously they have a striker. So, I I think there's still potential with Moret, and I don't know if you just give up on a kid just on. On a on on one blunder, I mean, it, you sure. shoot. I mean, that's a that's a surefire way to shoot a young player's confidence. Yeah, um, that's a tough situation to be in, yeah, no doubt about sure. it. For sure. Well, if we do the form table from the last three matches, Salernitana is joint top with Inter. <laughs> and yep, mind blown. I mean, it's three matches. It's not the biggest sample size, but come on, we've got to give we got oh to give it God. up. And then Milan would follow on seven points. Uh, you know, for for all of the Milan Twitter that are just kicking and screaming about their form. So. Yeah, and it wasn't like they were just like sitting back playing, you know, parking the bus and then counterattacking. No, they were really going after Fiorentina, and they had all three games. They've been going after teams trying to get these results. I think this is uh, we've seen this from David De Nicola before with Corotone, right? Uh, he finds way, he, whatever he says, however he slides off his teams, they fight for everything at the end, trying to get the points, and and it's working again. Um, they had so many chances in the first, you know, five ten minutes. George finally got his goal, but that's the way you want to start a game. You're fighting relegation. You want to survive. You have to be the aggressor in the situation, unless you're playing like Inter, you know, whatever. But they they came at this game with the right mentality and you know to their credit they got the goals because of it they kept coming even when they got one one they didn't stop they kept coming and Bonazzoli getting the game winning goal uh, this is fantastic by them uh, good for them I mean <laughs> imagine if you know Davide Nicola should get I mean he he will get all the plaudits if they survive but I mean it's just unreal what Davide Nicola can do with these relegation teams when everything their backs against the wall and he finds a way to just crawl and scratch his way back into the uh safe zone so we'll see three points still but that bonus only that bonus only goal was salerno town's only shot in the second half um on 26 percent possession 
Um, first half, they had 29% possession, nine shots, three on target, including the Jurich goal. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you watch the highlights, you think, well, yeah, Salerni Town dominated this game. They had 28% possession in this game. They yeah. got off 10 shots in that 28% possession, yeah. four on target. Talk about efficient. Yeah, they started um, out very well, and then they kind of, you know, but they took their chances. They, they made just it, getting it, ruthless it was, on the break. But I'll tell you what, yes, when you yes. have a guy like Jurich who can find himself in the box, and, and you got guys that, I mean, like Simone Verdi, who can link link up with them um, on the break. Yeah. I like what I saw from this Nadir Zortea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, saw some decent things out of him. Matsulki was playing on the right hand side, and he's pumping in some crosses, and they're trying to they're they're trying to get it figured out. Um, I mean, speaking of guys who find who are, who are finding themselves, uh, Federico Fazio, dare I say, inform Federico Fazio. You can say you can say that any of us still any time apparently because they're on a three game win streak. So yeah, even even Federico Fazio he had a goal last week, right? So I mean, yeah, man, and he's converted Luca Ranieri to being a a, a full yeah. uh, to being a, a center back in a three man defense. Yeah. So and he assists on the game winning goal, or he had a he he actually had a play in it, but I don't know if he had the assist or not. But um, yeah, you know, Ranieri's figuring it out too. So you know, good for them. Yeah, I mean, it was a game that. Fiorentina were, I mean, and Fiorentina didn't produce a lot of chances with, with what they had, um, which tells you, okay, yeah, you're fine. We're fine have, letting you have the ball, but you're going to get into certain spots and we're going to confront you. And, you know, Salernitana is doing it the right way. They're winning their tackles. They're timing things right. They're not getting themselves in situations where they're, they're getting overly booked or sent off. And um, they're, everything's just timing right for them with the way they play. So um, we'll see if they can keep that up or they, they, if they got, normalize. They have Atalanta next. If they can, I mean, this is not Atalanta from old who can score free willy. So, I mean, Atalanta can be had. They've been had many times this season. So don't look out, man. I mean, anything is possible. They could certainly beat Atalanta. Do I, would I bet on that? No, but again, Davide Nicola, he finds ways. Nobody thought that Crotone was going to beat Juventus you know, several years ago, and they did. That's so. that's May 2nd, and it's at the Gavis. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Salernitana has the ball for more than 20% of the game. <laughs> and they may get two goals. And they might get two goals because Atalanta can't defend. They can't defend for shit. You know, even even in the win over Venezia here today. I mean, but it's yeah. If Salernitana might have twenty percent possession in that game, um, and they still might score uh, yeah. just because of how bad Atalanta can be defensively. Which, I mean, I mean you got Church. Of, Church is nice to have. He's good in the air. He's not that bad of a striker. No, he's not. Not at all. And Atalanta, we know about their shortcomings playing at home too. So um, it could be a perfect storm. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of Atalanta, they do win, you know, things are better, I guess, but I want to ask you this question because I asked this question yesterday after Cernigoy scored. Um, is there a more disappointing transfer in Serie A relative to expectations than Juan Musso to Atalanta? You know, I don't know. I mean, if you look at how Atalanta played this year versus last year, it's fair to say that, hey, well, Musso joined a team. He's got to be the reason. 
I don't know if he is the reason. He's had some blunders, believe me. I've seen him this year. He's had some bad games. I don't know that he's I don't he's definitely not at all at fault, but I think him coming to a new team, a team that's been so close with each other, maybe the expectations are just too much for him and he had a, a little bit of dip. But I, I again I don't I don't think this is a problem that it's caused by Musso. I think it's the team in general. It's it's Gasparini's system. He's been found out, like you meant, like you've been saying all season long. Uh, I think that has more to do with it. You leave Musso out to dry, he can only do so much. No, you know, you leave any goalkeeper out to dry, there's only so much they can do. Um, and he was been left out to dry many times this season. Now, granted, there are times, a couple blunders he had. You're just like, oh, what are you doing? But for the most part, he's been okay. It's just that. When you see the way Atalanta plays now compared to how they have been, you're thinking, "Oh, it's got to be the goalkeeper. He's a new guy in there. It's got to be him." And I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he should. It's deserving to get the, 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 um, the fault here because I don't know. I, I mean, I have to look at the statistics and and stuff like that. But I would imagine that he's had a decent season overall, minus some obvious blips that he's had in in several games. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Um. It's it's the take that I had. Um, I'm looking at goalkeepers right now. You know, average rating if you just look at Sofa score, um, and I'm seeing him like averaging like a six point seven six, which is okay. Um, but you know, you certainly want to see that be a little bit better. Um, I'm. Let me see here. Uh, Let me just push right down. Yeah, 6.76 for him. By comparison, he's kind of in the neighborhood of Alessio Cranio, Lorenzo Montipo, Silvestri. Consigli is a little better than him. Uh, Belich is not too far behind him, but then you look a little bit for Rui Patricio is at 6.84. Chesney, 6.92. Minion 7.14 goes without saying. They're all good goalkeepers. Yeah. You know, all those guys you mentioned there, they're all good goalkeepers this year. So, you know, that tells me that Musso, has he been maybe taking a step down a little bit? Yeah, but I still think he's had a decent season. Okay. I, I'm just – so who would be, like, who would be the transfer 34 match weeks in that, you know, if this team got more out of you, they're – clearly going to be doing better than they're doing right now. I don't know. What would you say then? I don't know. Are you talking about specifically the Atalanta or just in general? In general. Oh, I don't know. That's a good, that's a tough question. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's just like the tra- transfer relative to expectations. Yeah. You know, I this mean, season, just from, from, from last year's transfers, I mean, you really can't say anybody on the meet, you know, that 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 came over from Milan because they're in first right now. So, mm-hmm. and you can't really say the, you know, inter players because they're really. I mean, Jeko, Chalinolu, Dumfries, those guys are all contributing to an inter team that's fighting for a title. Um, yeah. So, you know, Juventus is it is in the top four? What's that? I so say Juventus is in the top four. Yeah. yeah. Sassuolo's had a big drop off. Um, I mean, they're 10th and they were what eighth last year or something like that. But so I think you had to expect a drop off from them. Yeah, of course. Of course, for sure. Um, you know, I, I guess the answer would probably be Moose. I, I, that's why I say that probably the answer would be Moose. So, 
Um, I mean, Sampdoria, can you blame Francesco Caputo for Sampdoria being 16th? No. No. Um, can you blame, um, you know, the, uh, the the forwards that are arriving at Empoli for being in 14th? No. They're, no. They're, they've given up 62 goals. So, you know, yeah. they're the uh, – they're out of the teams that are not in the drop, they're tied for the most goals conceded with Cagliari. So – it's more about the managers than it is the players. Because I think in terms of players, no, there's no really players really swung the pendulum one way or the other. But managers has certainly been, right? You look at Hellas, who were so bad, at least to start the season, a uh, new manager. Yeah. Uh, but so many teams that have gone up and down because of a, a said manager, like you said, like Torino, look at them. They were threatening relegation last year, and then now they're, what, 11th place or something crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably more to that. I think, like you said, there's – in terms of transfers, really nothing been that's sticking out. You know, Juventino will say Vlahovic this year has helped them, but no, they're Juve is still struggling compared to last year. So I mean, so it's really nothing uh, that comes to mind. Who's I'm been sure. the best transfer this year, or since yeah. the since the winter? Since, since 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 the beginning of the season. Since yeah, if you want to go back to summer, you can do that too. Beginning of the season, you know, that is a good question. Um, Nico Gonzalez. Nico Gonzalez has been very good. Mike Mignon. Mignon um, is probably number one, yep. honestly, because the way he's been playing this year. Tammy Abraham has been doing fantastic things, you know, 20-something yes. goals for Roma. Um, who else? Giuliano Simeone was at Hellas last year, I think, or no? It was his first year. First, I think this is his first year. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that's a pretty good year. What, 15, 16 goals this year for yeah. him? Um, trying to think. Skamaka's had a pretty good year as well. There's a lot of good guys, but I would say Magnon probably the cream of the crop, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Magnon, um, you know, I think you can still have Chalinolu in the conversation. What? Um, <laughs> <he, laughs> Milan does not, Milan Twitter does not, Milan fans do not want to hear that. But I mean, you've got to give him his due, two assists today in a big, or Saturday in a big game against Roma, and he's, you know, he's, Inter have one of the best set pieces in the league, so you could credit yeah. that to to him for sure. Um, he's played a big part in that. Um, you know, Angus has been really good for Napoli. Um, I think Oliveira got off to a nice start at Roma. He's kind of tapered off a little bit. There's really nobody on Lazio that that joined this season that I can look at and say, yeah, you've you've been a big help. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say Gonzalez at Fiorentina. So I mean, if you're just yeah. looking at the current top seven, yeah, um, and you can probably. You can probably, you know, Coop Miners was getting some steam there for Atalanta for a little while too. Yep. yep. So Jeremy Bull goes fresh, so you can really see anything from him, you know. Right. Right. So Fratesi at Sassuolo. I think mm-hmm. he's stepped right in and been really good for um uh Neto's been good, Delofeo as well. Yes. For Udinese. For Sassuolo, Udoji. I was trying to say. Oh yeah, yeah. And Udoji also is gonna be a good one um, sure. for the Azuri in the future. So yeah. Sure. Sure. So yeah, it's mine. Mine Yun's up there for me. I'd probably have Akan up there, and I'd probably have uh, Gonzalez for Fiorentina, um, and probably in that order. So, okay. um, so that's as far as the three most impactful transfers this season. So, um, you know, but there's there's plenty of others. Has Locatelli been sort of a letdown? I don't. I see. I don't think. Locatelli's in a system that suits him. 
why was he so good at Suswolo? Because he could he could he could venture close to the opponent's penalty area and create some danger. Um, but Kenny's been playing his position this year, you know. Right. Why why was he good with Italy in the Euros in, in, in twenty twenty? Because he was in a position where he was given some freedom um through the midfield. Uh they're they're having him bogged down and they're having him absorb. They're having him sit in front of a of a defense more often than not. Um, they've kind of shackled him, uh, you know, for lack of a better description, in my opinion. And I think that that's 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 why he has not made the impact that he probably should have at Juventus this season. Um, you know, your thoughts. You you made the comment. McKenney's basically doing what we would have thought Locatelli would have done. Yeah, and I think both players played the very similar style. And I think McKinney is good at do that when it, when he gets involved in the play offensively. That's when he, he shines. Locatelli as well. I mean, I think a lot of this you have to look at how Juventus started this season. They started out very mm-hmm. very poorly. I mean, at one point they're flirting with relegation in the first you know couple of weeks of the season. Um, so this is not the typical Juve team we've been grown accustomed to seeing the last ten to twelve years. Uh, so you know that everyone on the team was struggling this year, not just Locatelli. Uh, and now they finally are starting to hum and stuff. But like what you're saying is he's not in the right position for him. Now, if maybe, who knows, maybe this position Allegri is shaping, uh, kind of molding him into will work. It could happen. But for right now, he's learning how to play the different position, trying to figure out where he can fit best. Um, you know, I, I, whether you think McKenney is the guy or not going forward, I think you need to swap them, both of these guys, while it would be nice for them to have both these guys at the same time out there, right? It's probably their two, two of their better options. Um, you probably want to have them swapping in and out, like sort of luck until he starts the games. And then when he gets tired, you bring on McKinney and you have the same type of player throughout the game. That makes them very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but they need help midfield. It's not just them. Those two and Zachariah and, and some of the other guys they have are not enough. They need to upgrade their midfield by, by for sure. They're going to lose the ball, uh, but their attack is pretty good. Vlahovic yep. and Morata, if they keep Morata. Uh, Chiesa's coming back. Oh, by Chiesa's the way, coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernadeschi's still there. You know, say what you want about him. Defense needs a little bit of help as well. So, I mean, they got Juve have some issues, and so you can't totally blame Locatelli's down year on just his performance. I think it's a team thing. If the team played better, maybe he'd be performing better. But a lot, like I agree with you, is that he's a a circle in a square square hole. You know, it's it's not quite the right fit for him just yet. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Okay, it's uh, fascinating. It just was interesting to have a conversation as we're getting close to the end of the season. And you can just revisit these transfers, and you know, because there were some we had a lot of hype for, and uh, some we had, you know, didn't have many much expectation for, but uh, you know, certainly they came out and performed. Should probably also point out Dumfries uh, with Inter as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and the oh, job yeah. he did. So Korea has been. So, you know, Dufferin has done really well for them, but Correa, not so much. And it's funny because Correa is an Inzaghi guy, and you expect a lot more of Correa. I thought he would have came this year under Inzaghi and just went flying through, and it would have been him and Jekko. But no, you know, um, yep. it's taken a while to kind of acclimate, but Dufferin has been fantastic for them. Uh, he's kind of really had no – he had slight transition come from PSV. Um, yep. But I think more of it was the play of Darmian. Darmian yep. started the season very well. 
and now you got two really good wingbacks uh, on the right-hand side there, and Perisic, Perisic, <laughs> Perisic, excuse me. Um, you know he's year, leaping right? out of his. You know he's <laughs> leaping out of his Twitter account and saying, "I'm ready, Simone. Put me in." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Perisic or Perisic, either way. <laughs> God. What happens when you wear a baseball shirt to a football uh, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so um, uh, Giroud has been a pretty good pickup. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, um, ooh, will anyone get Bramer? Yes. Well, if you listen to Inter ooh. people, they think they're getting them. Yep, you may so. think they're getting them. Milan fans think they're getting them. You know, Tottenham I hope he's in the league. Tottenham Hotspur might get them. If Antonio Conte has his way. Yeah, or if he goes to PSG, <laughs> or if he goes, yeah, if he goes, you could take him to PSG with him. Yeah, um, but I, I would love to see Bremer stay in the league. He had a great year this year. Can he duplicate that? That's the question, right? Um, can he eventually be someone like a Koulibaly, who's just an all-worldly defender for a decade now, or is he going to be a one-hit wonder? You know, to be determined. I think that. There, I mean, here's the thing with, with Bramer now. I mean, there's a there's real potential for Torino to be even better without him. Okay, because they're what they're gonna get paid, aren't they? Especially if they get coin, yeah. Right. They are going to get paid for him. Well, Cairo um, do though, he didn't do it with Belotti. I think he got overly stubborn with Belotti, and I think that he um he had his expectations for the market for Belotti were not did not mesh with reality. So yeah. um people just weren't um a you know, people just weren't uh Bremer could be the next great Brazilian back. He could be. Um mm-hmm. you know, if he goes to Juve and, and lines up next to the Lick, you know, Michael's asking who's gonna stand next to the Licks next year potentially could have a great partnership there for many years if, if the lick stays. Um, but I hope he stays in the league because he seems a quality defender, really good when I shut down, he shut down the best players in the league so far. Every time it's every week, it seems like, so I would love to see him stay in the league. Will he join one of the seven sisters? I mean, Lazio could use a center back, right? Roma, Roma could, any, any of the seven sisters could use a center back of his yep. quality. Yep. But we're, it's too early to say world-class it's, it's, you know, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. It's been an amazing season for him. He's probably going to be in our team of the season. Um, well, no, he's going to be in our team of the season. He is a team of the season. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't go that far yet. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, and, and, and Michael asked a good question. Who starts next to the league next season? So, uh, can't be Benucci, Chiellini, or Rugani again if they have high hopes. Does Allegri say Danilo can be a center back and I'll deputize him there? They've tried that a couple of times. They've had middling results at best with that. Um, they like Fiorentina. I mean, Milinkovic is a pretty good goal. Uh, yeah, I was thinking him. Back, you know, So that seems to be their farm team. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The way it's going right now. So I hate to say it. I mean, Vlaovic, Bernadeschi, Quadrado. Um, although Quadrado didn't come via Fiorentina, did he? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, maybe he no, did. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Chiesa, obviously. Chiesa, yep. So, no. um, but Quadrado did spend a little time at Fiorentina. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so 
that's not out of the question. Yeah, there's there's th- that's up in the air too. So yeah, summer is going to be imagine very, very Romagnoli. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, Genoa is Milan's farm team, especially during the banter era. So, yeah. Uh, but Orm Pendiv, here he comes. Yep. I hope not. <laughs> got enough. <laughs> got enough old forwards on the team as it is. Oh my god, so. it would be their mo though. No, yeah. you know it'd be their mo is they would just bring back. They would bring back Mattia Destro and say, "Hey, he's oh fixed." God. Just for you. Just for you. <laughs> I mean, so much with Milan, we don't know because if they get the Bahrain deal, which everyone's expecting is going to happen, you know, one of the guys, key players for Bahrain, kind of tweeted out, "Milan is a great club today." So you're you're thinking this is going to happen. We'll see. All indications going something's going to happen early May. So if that happens. Milan becomes a different kind of player in the, in the league with you know money that they could spend rumors up to 300 million that they would spend who knows uh, but it's a lot on the table now with all these teams and in particular Milan more than anybody because they got the ownership issues going on so yeah man who knows I mean I, I imagine Juventus is going to find somebody to play next to the Ligt somebody of quality I'd imagine whether it's in the yeah. league or go outside the league but uh, Bremer let's hope he stays in the league just for the league's sake because you love to have the talent stay but you never know um, yep Cairo should get money for him. Yep. Yep. We'll see what happens with that. All right. Anything else from um, these games this week? Uh, I would say, you know, Genoa just made the Derby de la Lantana very, very interesting by beating Cagliari. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Genoa are fighting a lot. I mean, it's <sighs> Genoa are, Genoa and Salernitana are both possibly getting out of here possibly Galleri and Sampdoria I mean relegation six corner and the Derby de la Interna uh what more could you ask for I know those two you know two years it was the last year or the year before I, I said you know both the clubs university clubs would get relegated they you know Liguria hated me for that but you know uh both teams are in the hunt this year and, and the next derby that comes up it could be a lot on the line more than just the you know the bragging rights it's about who stays in Serie A that yeah. is going to be must see TV. Oh my yeah. goodness! Milan and Fiorentina next week. Inter yeah. travel to Udinese. So, really, the last of the challenges for the title contenders. Um, I mean, for Inter, in my opinion, at least, looking at their schedule, um, because uh, the rest of their run in is. Um, let's see. They're they're at Bologna. They're at Udinese. Um, but then host Empoli at Cagliari, host Sampdoria. So not going to get a whole lot easier than that. I don't, clearly they're not going to have the stumbles that Napoli had against Empoli. Uh, Milan have Fiorentina at home, at Hellas Verona, Atalanta at home, Sassuolo away. Um, so, so let's just revisit this one last time and then we'll get to the who won Calcio Twitter. Um, is it better to have a slate of teams that you're heavily favored against? Um, and people are going to say, well, Hall, you're a Milan supporter. You're trying to clutch at straws here. Is it better to have a slate of games against teams that you're going to be heavily favored against? Or do you want to live in a slate full of teams that are going to have your attention and you're going to have to be sharp? Who? I mean, on paper, yes, Inter are the favorites to win this title. Um, because they should go to Bologna and win. They should go to Udinese and win, but those are two tough places to win. Yeah. Two teams that are playing reasonably well right now. So, 
at least one of those teams is going to take points off of Inter. Um, probably a draw, but that's that is a very likely outcome. It's very likely that both teams could the Inter could draw both teams. Yeah, but would you as a as a supporter would you rather have the easier path or would you rather have what Milan has teams that are okay uh 6 8 9 and 10 teams that still are going to have your attention and your concentration level better be high against them you know as a supporter you want to see your team play the easiest teams uh going down the stretch cuz that's less headache for you potentially but yeah. we know in this league that never happens um I think if you know if you're a player, you want to have the more difficult games just because your attention is going to be focused on that. Uh, granted, you you lose them, you lose one or two, then it's just all shit after that. But mm. you start winning a couple, your confidence goes through the wall, and you can beat anybody. Uh, and like you said, you're, you're so focused on the games, you don't have those those slip ups as you would potentially against a, a team at the bottom of the table where you try to overlook them. Like, oh, who am I going to play next week? You're not even thinking about it, and all of a sudden, boom, a goal gets scored. And you're like, we just lost the game or we drew the game. We should have won. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the potential of dropping some points is there against the lower teams, as opposed to a team, you got to be focused in and, and go all in and, and play your best. Milan got punched in the mouth in this game against Lazio and they fought back and got all three points in that game, a huge win for them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm sure many people will say, no, you're crazy. It's a, it's a, you want to have the easier schedule, but I don't know, man. It just, for the focus sake, like you mentioned, I, I think you want to have the slightly better, harder schedule because you're going to be focused on each one of those games. Is it daunting? Hell yes. Um, is it ideal? No, but you're going to be focused for every one of those games. You're not going to be focused on something else. Uh, and so at least uh, it minimizes the chance of having those, those blips in the game um, that can creep up every now and then that could cost you games. So I don't know. what about you? excuse me i actually think that the way i look at these schedules both of these teams are happy with their run-ins um inter just destroy bottom teams you know i mean they they made that's the stream they swim in i mean milan struggle with bottom teams but but you know who's most dangerous right now are those bottom teams who are starting to survive in the league those are dangerous teams to play because you they're unpredictable and that's an argument, and and that's an argument that that can be had. And as 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 much fun as I have with Marco, he made kind of an interesting point after this Lazio Milan game, saying, "You know what? It might not be that bad to play against the sixth to tenth place teams toward the end of the season." He, he I think he said sixth to thirteenth place teams. He makes a good point yeah. because they're done. There's really not a whole lot they're playing for anymore. You know, vacation mode, right? Versus the teams that are at the bottom that are fighting for their lives, trying to stay up, and they're going to give you their best game because they they know what it means to them. They know what it means to their supporters and management and and things like that. You know, it's for for the casual fan, it's very convenient to say, well, those teams are going to go down to City B. They'll regroup and come back to City A. Well, you know what comes with that though? Uncertainty. Are you still going to be at that team? Exactly. Okay, if you are, what's it going to look like when you turn up at, you know, when you turn up at those first practices? You're probably not going to have the same manager. Uh, a bunch of people that you've just spent an entire season, maybe several seasons, running, and especially in the case of Calgary, if they drop, or even Genoa, um, you know, building relationships with and, and and building camaraderie with, and suddenly a lot of those guys are gone because they had to be sold and you're still there. Or you're sold and now you're going to a totally different environment. Okay. Yeah. So 
they, nobody sitting in from 16th down to 20th wants that feeling and wants that uncertainty. And they're going to play their ass off to avoid it. So, yeah, so in Anitana, three wins in a row. Genoa are not the same team that they were, you know, before Blessing. So, you know, you got some teams there, and, and Cali is going to be fighting for their lives as well. They don't want to get relegated. Sampdoria as well. Uh, Venezia is pretty much gone, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's those are you definitely don't want the relegation teams. You want a team in the middle who are on holiday mode, just trying to play out the season, who are no threat to Europe and no threat to relegation. That's who you want to play, right? So, so that's uh. That's 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 been match week thirty four in a nutshell. We have the Sassuolo uh, Juve game on Monday, um, but uh, we have goals of the week real quick to get through. Richard, I have my five, but I'll uh, I'll let you start with yours. All right, uh, Brozovic did not repeat for me. He was honorable mention for me. Um, Mikatarian, his goal, his consolation goal was number five for me. Pinamonte's game or game winner, his second goal that was number four. Udoji's goal, nice play by Udinese, kind of lead to that destiny with the back heel flick to Udoji. Number two, Inter's team goal. I'm going to go with Dumfries' goal. It was brilliant. I think eight people touched the ball on that goal. Really well done by Inter. And the winning goal comes to Milan Badel. Not Milan, but Milan Badel. Game-winning goal, Genoa wins 1-0. So that's my mm. game-winning goal. Okay. Um, we're slightly different here. Uh, I will go with uh, Mkhitaryan. Uh, at number five, I'm going to go with the Pinamonti winner at number four. Uh, I'm going to go with the Brozovic goal, number three. Uh, I'm going with the Udoji goal at number two. I actually thought Hickey's goal was a much more impressive team goal for Bologna than, okay. than Udinese's. Both were quality. Yep. Uh, but, but Aaron Hickey uh, on the strength of some team play from Bologna, my goal of the week, and hopefully some positive mojo. For Bologna <laughs> heading into Wednesday against That's Inter. There. <laughs> Put another twist in this Scudetto title race. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nice. So we shall see. All right. Let's move on now to the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, lead us off. All right. Where are we? Where are we? Okay. We are here with uh, Saviush Falahi uh, on April 19th. He says uh, Pioli had the comment of Handanovic didn't even react. Savyush says, uh, who will tell my guy that he hasn't reacted in five years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Hadanovich. Poor Hadanovich. That's true. <laughs> All right. We've got at Brosholic uh, with a tweet. Milan fans last night. Tom the Cat trying to change the channel. And it's <laughs> just every time he changes the channel, it's Inter scoring on Milan. <laughs> Uh, oh, poor me. That's cre- I'll give. I, I like the creativity there. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's against my team, but I'll, I like the creativity. <laughs> All right, next is uh, Sansone. His new profile picture is uh, of Will Smith and a Roma kid. I guess uh, uh, slap against being a bitch. I don't. Know, I don't know what the, the reference is here, but it's uh, pretty funny from Sansone. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh. All right. So La Vie and Woes uh, at Elena Dorito. Uh, Nominating uh, Tony Vaxton, not underscore Carlisle. Venezia show up fly as hell only to get immediately and alarmingly sloppy. What I'm saying is they're all of us in our early 20s and I appreciate the memories. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's good. That is good. That's the leader in the clubhouse right there. Tony Vaxton. <laughs> okay. 
All right, next, the big show is back. Uh, it says, Napoli are the Serie A, what U of A are the Champions League. But um, hey <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my oh our good friend Alex Dano celebrating Inter's victory over Roma with some authentic cuisine from the old <laughs> country. Alex. Oh. Alex. <laughs> what are you? What the hell are you doing? Oh. You never Ooh. admit the existence of this place as an uh. Italian. <laughs> Moving on. Although uh, I'll say this, the yeah. uh, although I'll say this, uh, I, I, a, a guilty pleasure for the longest time were the breadsticks with, uh, and I insisted on paying the extra two bucks for the Alfredo dipping sauce. Okay. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to say that. It's recorded, so it'll, it'll live in infamy here. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up uh, from Nick. Uh, D. Giovanni says, uh, no wonder why Leclerc finished sixth. It's a reference to F1. Leclerc finished sixth as opposed to first for Ferrari. Ferrari had a bad weekend, but uh, he's a Lazio fan. So Lazio <laughs> sixth place. He finished sixth. It kind of worked out there, I guess. So there you go. <laughs> I like it. Uh. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's see here. We've got our good friend Scott Monroe. Happy five-year anniversary of Monkey joining AS Roma, then destroying the club in the next 21 months. The club is still paying for his mistakes. So, ah, <laughs> uh, poor Roma, poor Roma. They kind of figured it out. And then finally, I think we, I think this one we just want to give everyone's attention to. <laughs> Napoli fans, uh, not doing so well. This comes from Lupo at Lupo AS Roma, and it's uh, Napoli fans, kids, clearly pissed off that they lost to Empoli. <laughs> I love how the adults are like, we've seen this shit before. Yeah, these older ones are just... Eh. They're like, fuckers, did we get to us? <laughs> oh, okay, alright. <laughs> Who you got? Oh, man, I, our, our boy Tony Vaxton's the winner, I think. Tony Vaxton. Tony Vaxton or Bros Holic, which one? Uh, oh, was Hawk. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. I bringing back nostalgia is always good. I like Tony Vaxon. I like Tony Vaxon. Yeah, that's got to be the winner for me. That 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 one that one hit a little different. We're gonna go with that. All right. So while I do that, you uh, talk to the people. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Yes. Uh, another round of Calcio is done here. Four games to go. Um, yeah, if you haven't done so yet, you know, make sure you subscribe to the page, like, leave comments as well, uh, hit the notification button so you get not- notified. Uh, our podcast, as always, can be found all over um, on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Uh, and then also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff. We try to provide as much content as we can. Any ideas for us, please let us know. Anything you'd like to see, let us know. Tweet us at City Sit Down. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, you can follow me. You can see my hashtag here or my. My handle here, R underscore Carmen. That's where you can find me. But uh, yeah, Syria, sit down. Just follow us there. And uh, yeah, you can get all the content. Syria, stay up to date there. And uh, yes, Copa, Copa final. Where's the Copa final? It's in, in May, right? May 11th. May 11th. All right. Before well, my vacation. I, and I thought that I thought it was right after the season. It actually isn't. It's going to be right right when Inter's in the in middle. In the last so... week. It's in the last week, I think, or something crazy. In between, in between two big games for Inter, which is another thing that's going to throw a wrench in all of this. Yep. Yep. So, so, all right. So we went ahead and uh, Tony Vaxton, well played. 
I, I made a side note on that saying, I, I don't remember a whole lot about my 20s, but I'll just make the <laughs> assumption that they're very similar to how you're describing this. So, oh, I remember mine. Coming in hot, walking out sloppy. <laughs> oh, my. So I think with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City uh, Sit Down. Anything else, Richard? No, but I'm going to plug a T-shirt because that just reminded me of when I was on the swim team and, and the team we played against. It says, uh, come in hard, go out wet. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Way off the rails now. <laughs> oh, off the rails. But, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Chin, chin. Okay, I have never seen a T-shirt like that before. Yeah, <laughs> so. I should have bought it when I was in high school, but no. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Serie sit down. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Um, I almost said Twitcher for some reason. I, that, that doesn't exist. We're on Twitch. We're on, are we on Twitch? We're on Twitch. Very we're nice. Okay, so we are on Twitch. Um, but uh, anywhere there's podcasts, there's City I Sit Down. So check us out at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Go there, drop a comment, drop a thought or two, a question that you want to hear answered on future podcasts. We're all interested in that. Uh, also can be found on Facebook uh, as well. So chat, thank you. Yeah, great stuff, chat man. Great questions, great conversation. Always good to have uh, the the cast of characters. Couple new faces in there. Although I think Mark Strip has been in here before. Yep. Uh, Emiliano, good to have you. Dominic, good to see you again. Anthony, Mike, uh, everybody else. If I left anybody out, please forgive me. So I um, want to thank you guys uh, for your loyalty. Richard, let's do this again next Sunday night. Yes, All sir. right. We will do it next <laughs> Sunday night, 9 East. Be, the, be here to join us. Uh, until then, keep telling your paisans about us. Ciao.